All right. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Simply Cyber Live. It is Thursday, which means we're going to get after it with an industry expert guest and not the overlay I want. That's the one I want. Uh, guys, if you're coming over from Outpost Gray's stream, hashtag Outpost Gray. Love the work that Jax is doing over there. Thank you for coming in. We've got a great show. So now listen, many of us, actually all of us at some point didn't work in the industry, and some of us are still looking on how to crack that code. Well, today's guest, I'm very, very happy. Many of you may recognize him. Uh, it's Mike Miller. Now, Mike has been working in the industry for 25 plus years. He actually has a really interesting kind of career arc that I really want to dig into because it's a bit unusual and a bit uncommon. But he's reached the point in his career where he has the knowledge. He's gone up and down the mountain several times so he can help Sherpa you and others up the mountain for the first time and really break into cybersecurity. It's going to be a wonderful talk. I can't wait. You guys know that this is a topic that I'm particularly very passionate about, and Mike is as well. We got to talk a little bit before the stream. Uh, he's very excited, and we've got a lot of great content. Before I get into it, if you're new here, I just want to remind you that we are a lively, engaging bunch, so don't be shy. Say what's up in chat. Definitely engage, but if you have questions for myself or for Mike on stream, I'd love to facilitate and get those in front of Mike, but I need to know they're for me. You guys chat, you guys have a, a, a rowdy time all by yourself over there. So if it's for me or for Mike, definitely put a cue in front of the message and I can flag it fairly easily and be able to get it in front of Mike. All right, now that we've got that all squared away, let's go get Mike super excited. <laughs> What's up, Mike? Sorry, hey, I'm wor I'm working a new mouse over here, and it's a little it's a little dicey. It's a little sensitive, uh, <laughs> if you will. So, but uh, thanks for being with us, Mike. How are you today? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm I'm very good. Minus thanks that mouse me. snafu. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Mike, before we dive into cybersecurity, okay? Many people who are in stream definitely recognize you. I recognize you. One of the hallmarks, if you will, about Mike Miller is that he's always got what seems to be like a very candid photo attached to all of his LinkedIn posts. Who is taking these pictures? Every time I see it, I'm like, that that's not a selfie. Like it's too I'm far away. You, it is just, just an iPhone. Now I, I got to give some credit to my wife. She, um, she thinks I'm crazy sometimes, but, uh, she she'll we'll go to take a picture and she'll say no no that's that's not gonna work so you know she'll <laughs> get a different angle or whatever so it's a mix of just the phone and and her taking the picture so oh all right all right well they look great they're very iconic uh obviously the iphone has an amazing camera and you're you're maximizing it to its fullest extent so good good on you mike now thank you let, let's let's just d dive in right now because i know people are wondering uh about breaking into cybersecurity. so uh, you know, kind of to understand uh, where your perspective is, I'd like to take a few minutes and kind of talk about your journey. Now, one interesting thing that I noted when I look at Mike's career path is that Mike is a VC, so so he's at you know kind of the top of the food chain in the information security org chart. But one of the really peculiar things is if you look back, he was a network guy, then he was a pen tester offensive security for quite a while, did wireless hacking, web app hacking, PCI uh, related hacking and stuff. Red team operators almost never become CISOs. And I'm probably gonna get blasted for that overreaching statement, but it's so uncommon. 
Mike, how did you go from red team to CISO? Yeah, no problem. So, I mean, I'll back up a little bit just so you can understand the journey. So mm -hmm. I started in desktop support, right? I started with a dial-up ISP, you know, dial-up internet provider, reading out of a book. I had no clue what I was doing. And slowly over time, I tried to, you know, tried to learn so I could not have to use the book. Got in, mm -hmm. like you said, got into systems admin work, got into uh, network admin, you know, things like that. And from there, uh, I just started consulting. Um, I like, I am an extreme extrovert. Um, I like just, you know, being around people and working with people. I like solving problems and so on. And uh, one of my best friends uh, actually got me into security. I'm like, what's this security thing? And uh, he, he got me into doing defensive security, intrusion detection, doing things like that, working as a SOC analyst. Uh, then I then you know, I did that for a while. And then I jumped over to Red Team, like you mentioned. And uh, so the, the CISO thing was kind of an accident. So to, to explain, even after doing the Red Team work, uh, I, I, I did over my career, I've done a lot of contracts, right, with different organizations. Mm -hmm. And I did, a, I did a few contracts, got into auditing, uh, specifically PCI. Uh, for a, I actually had worked um, with the QSA company for a while and did some QSA auditing. And I was, I was one of those guys that, like, I, you know, I, I moved around a bit just because um, I would get bored easy, you know, doing, doing different things. <clears throat> and I had some messages come to my inbox um, on LinkedIn. That's where all of my opportunities come from at this point, um, even, you know, back to, you know, back a few years. And I would look at these messages and they would send me their, you know, their job descriptions. Like, I mean, we've all, we've all had those. And I, and I'll go through them and they'll say, Hey, we'd like to, to contract you for this to be CISO role. Well, immediately, you know, I'm thinking, well, are you talking to, there's a lot, like you said earlier, there's a lot of Mike Miller's um, you got to be talking to the wrong Mike Miller because I don't have the assistant in my title. And, but, but I, I, I had a conversation with one of these people that, that wanted me to, to, to take a look at their uh, job. And, you know, as we were reading down through the list of what they were requiring, it was really just an overall knowledge of, you know, of, of industry standards and, and how the industry worked, right. And, and understanding, understanding, you know, how, uh, how an organization does business, understanding the business risk, and then understanding how to align their security posture to help protect their business. And over time, you know, I started understanding some of those things. So I took, took a role uh, as a VCISO and, of course, you know, immediately suffered from imposter syndrome, you know, mm -hmm. which, which still have to this day. I have, even, you know, even doing this call. And uh, so that's kind of been my journey. And I've done, I've done all kinds of contracts since then. Um, I founded my own company in 2010 or 11, somewhere around there. And, uh, and so I did a lot of these different contracts, you know, defense, offense, and so on. And um, then I sold my company here in, uh, in February, uh, Valentine's Day this past year. And so now I work in a, in a uh, full-time BCISO role with a smaller company called Appalachian Technologies. So loving it. Oh yeah, that that is fantastic. And you said you said a bunch of things there that you know I think really key in a lot with people. One being imposter syndrome. Um, you know, I, I feel like anytime you take the next step, you know, like moving laterally, you've already got that confidence. Taking the next step, there's a little bit of uncertainty, uh, which is where that imposter syndrome typically yeah. is found and rooted in. What what do you, what are your approaches for for kind of moderating or or handling imposter syndrome? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I love talking about it. Uh, it still scares me to death. Um, the, the thing is, I try to, um, I, I think I, I'm slowly finding a way to leverage it, right? Because I still feel like I, I have a long ways in my career. I still feel like I'm growing because I put myself up against other VCISOs. I'm like, I'm here, right? But other VCISOs that I talk to and, you know, they speak a different language. They're, they're you know, I'm here and they're way up here. So, um, it definitely gives me that. But what I try to do is leverage imposter syndrome as much as I can so that when I go into, um, you know, if I have to walk in and talk to stakeholders or I have to, um, you know, uh, work a specific project, I, I uh, you know, try to prepare as much as I can because of my imposter syndrome so that I'm ready to go when that, you know, when that time comes. So so I, I think I think if a person leverages it and I think it can be used to your advantage. I really think it's a healthy mix for all of us because I think if we ever reach a point where we're not suffering from a little bit of imposter syndrome, I think that's when that's when you need to worry. Yeah, so you, you bring in a really nice transition here. One of the topics that I wanted to touch on because I think it is so important, not just for breaking into the industry, but continuing to be successful in the industry. And anytime I read one of your LinkedIn posts, which is how a lot of people know you because your LinkedIn posts get major traction, a lot of eyes, is there is a real sense of humility and, you know, r realization, uh, like a lack of arrogance, um, a lack of hubris uh, in all of your posts. You're very approachable. You're very relatable. And I think I believe that might have something to do with this this imposter syndrome. You're not arrogant about your skill set because you're you're a little unsure about it. Um, how do you think having humility and and, and self awareness uh, benefits you as a practitioner, and how could other people uh, learn from that? Yes, I mean it's it's a good question. Um, I, I try to just be me. I try to just be transparent, as transparent as I could be. Um, I to this day uh, can't claim to be an expert in anything. So, in that case, um, you know, I will sit and I'll talk to anybody, and I'll talk to people that are, like, for instance, I've learned so much just different perspectives from people that are aspiring to get into the field because they've got different views. Like, I don't look down on anybody. I don't see myself as as above um, anybody. And and you mentioned earlier, and it's actually the first I've heard it uh, said in that way about you know, the VCISO position kind of being at the top of the food chain. And, you know, I never really thought about it that way. Um, I'm just serving a role and trying to help organizations as much as I can and enjoying my position, you know, as much as I can. And, um, you know, and I get into a room with these, you know, fabulous pen testers or SOC analysts, whatever you have. And this industry is so wide that there's always so much to learn. So I just try to surround myself with people that are smarter than me and, um, that that has just that's just really helped a lot. Yeah, you know, another interesting thing you just touched on that I think really bears sharing because you know, when when you haven't been a CISO, right? Um, you might have a perception like for me, I always wanted to be a CISO. And now that I've got it, I'm like, I don't know if this is what I uh want, but that's a separate story. Um, you know, you might think that, oh, this is the the top of the mountain, so that person can do everything that everyone beneath them can do. And what I'd like to share, and then I'd love your thoughts on this, Mike, is that people need to understand that the CISO is just a job in a functional multi-part system. The CISO has a role. They need to convey and get money, 
right? And, and set the strategic direction, but that's their job. Their job isn't to look at alerts and, and respond to incidents. It's to handle uh, kind of the, the PR, you know, or the interfacing with the business and stuff like that. Like, so basically what I'm trying to say is a CISO has a job and a set of roles. It doesn't mean that they're any better or they can do exactly. your job comprehensively. It just means they serve their part. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I work with team. I work, I mean, the team I work with, they're so much better than me at, at, at everything they do. Um, I think for me, what has probably helped me the most is um, just being a problem solver, right? Mm -hmm. So um, even in every aspect of life, especially in this role, you know, there, there's, there's problems, right? And your job, my job is to help organizations, you know, we're, we're here, we're at A and we need to get to B, right? But there's all kinds of stuff in between B. And, you know, my job is to help them be that problem solver, help them find solutions. And um, so it's just a way of, fortunately, you know, working as a VSISO, I get to work with a lot of really cool and really smart people. So it's really knowing how and learning how and understanding how to use and leverage your resources as, you know, as much as you can to accomplish getting from A to B. Yeah. And I think that that also plays into a greater part of, of the humility and the self-awareness that you can't do it all. And, you know, any CISO that is uh, dismissive or degrading or, or condescending to reports, yeah. um, they're not, a, that doesn't mean they're a good CISO. That just means that they're a bad human. So, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. so, so don't think, I guess what I want people to understand is don't think that it, that's the way it is. And that's the way it has to be. That's not, that's not healthy. Yeah. Um, now I do want to say really quick to chat. I see some of you in here, like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh Rewa, I can't, Rewa Karki, like a couple people have been mentioning in some of their personal situations. I'm flagging these. They're not questions, but I want to get Mike's thoughts on them a little sure. bit later. So just know, uh, that I will be addressing those. So stay with us. I got it. I got to interrupt you just for a quick question because I've seen a couple of times everybody's asking what socks I have on. Yeah, so, I I pinned it. Let me. All right, I got it. There you go. Nail it. What do we got? What are these red with uh, white? Red. Yeah, they're just red with the uh, Birkenstock. So my my <laughs> wife happens to uh, be watching and she says I I can confirm he's not wearing any, but she didn't see me sneak them on before this part. Oh, got. very nice. And the color matches your watermelon. Uh, are those watermelon slices? They are. They yeah. Are, okay. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. So now that we've got the sock, Sorry the sock, uh, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, so one of the things you mentioned earlier was, a, is about the power of LinkedIn and how you almost exclusively use LinkedIn for your, um, I guess your funnel or the way you find out about opportunities and stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, I guess, oh geez, I, I'll just, um, throw it to you. Like, why is LinkedIn so powerful? And then we'll drill into how to weaponize it. Yeah, absolutely. In this industry, in the cybersecurity community, um, I can't say we're all here, but this is where most of the cybersecurity community resides, right? Um, it is such a powerful platform and you have access to, you know, LinkedIn makes this a level playing field for all of us. Um, in the real world, if LinkedIn didn't exist, I would have no way of communicating or, or having relationships with people that are, you know, in all of these great positions or people that are aspiring to get into these positions, all, the, all of these people that I've met. Um, I have met so many awesome people through this platform just because 
most of us are here, right? Um, mm -hmm. I tend to stay away. I mean, I use Facebook and I use Instagram, but you know, it's it's not very much, right? Um, this platform is just refreshing for me. And again, this is this is where we reside. So it's it, it's just a level playing field for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. I myself have uh, you know made multiple uh, relationships, network connections. Mm -hmm. Uh, shared shared messages and inspiration all through the LinkedIn platform. It really is um, a professional network, social networking site. I mean, that's that's Absolutely. what they build themselves as, and that's what yeah. it's become. Yeah. So, I, okay, so let's talk about some obvious best practices, and then I want to talk about tips and tricks because I have a few. I've never really shared them on stream because it never really comes up, but there are. You said okay, so you said LinkedIn's a level playing field, but if you know how to tweak some of the dials and stuff, you can have an advantage. So before we get into the secret sauce, let's talk about best practices. What are what are a couple of things that people absolutely should be doing that if they're not, they should be like, let me pause this live stream and go fix this. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I'll say is be you, right? So I spent so much time admiring other people on this platform. I thought, man, it'd be so cool to be like him. It'd be so cool to be like her. And that was always a mistake. And, and I think it just took me a while to, and I'm still figuring it out, right? It took me a while to figure out who the heck I was and who the, who the heck I am and, and kind of where I'm going. So the first thing that I'll say is like, just be you, be transparent. That's what's worked for me. Yeah. Um, you know, people always ask me about posting. What do I post? What do I post? And I'll, I'll always tell them, you don't need to come off as an expert in, in anything that you're doing. Just be you. Like sometimes a good question can be excellent content. Like just be you, you know, try to try to establish who you are and, and your personal brand. And the other thing that I'll say as well is just be positive because we all there's so much negativity out there that we all are exposed to every day. We can't avoid it. And, um, you know, no matter how bad you want to respond to a keyboard cowboy that's that's uh, throwing a negative comment in there. At the end of the day, it's just not worth it. Like, just just take the high road, forget it. I guarantee the day, you know, twelve hours later, you won't even think about it. Absolutely, and and I think um, a couple a couple like um, set once and gain value forever. Uh, and I say this all the time, though, is like your LinkedIn banner. You don't have to have one that was done by a graphic artist or something, yeah. but you do need you do you could. It's real estate. Whenever someone's, whenever you post something on LinkedIn or someone looks you up for whatever reason, the very first thing they're going to see is that banner. So it's very valuable real estate that you can absolutely weaponize for, yeah. for, for whatever, a, a link to your website, to your blog, something you're interested in, yeah. you know, a picture of you, like whatever, right? Yeah. I feel like that and, and your photo uh, are, are two things that you can easily uh, update really quickly. Yeah. People want, people want to be able to make a personal, you know, be able to make a connection with you. And, you know, a photo, of course, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's just a way of having that little bit of a, a personal connection, um, being a little bit of a human on LinkedIn as well. I tell people often in the about section, uh, you know, make your, make your first paragraph something that's about you. You know, we, I get it. We all have skills that we want to talk about and, and portray out there, but like, tell me who you are as a person so that, so that I can like have a little bit of a, of a connection with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll come back to the tips and tricks. Don't worry people. Yeah. But because you just said it, Mike, like when the question is, tell me about yourself, whether it's a job interview, whether it's a networking event, you're at a conference and you're getting a cup of coffee, 
someone's going to say, oh, hey, like, hi, I'm, I'm Jerry. You know, who are you? Like, I'm Mike Miller. That's fine. But you have an opportunity there to make a, a more meaningful connection. What, do you, what is your guidance on tell me about yourself? Yeah, I always say I always say two things, right? So if you're gonna say if you if you're telling someone about yourself, to first tell them who you are as a person um, before you go into all of your search and all of your experience. Tell me about you. What do you do when you get off of LinkedIn every day? What are you gonna do tonight? Are you going outside to shoot hoops? Do you like walking the dogs? What are your hobbies? Right? Who are you as a person? That's the first way that I'm gonna connect with you. After that. Now I want to know a little bit more about you. So, okay, tell me your skill set. Tell me your experience. Tell me what you're. Tell me what you're passionate about. Because yeah. if I know what you're passionate about, um, then then we can have some some mega good conversations about that. And sometimes a person's experience, even though they're talking about all of the experience they have, they might not be talking about what they're passionate about because they might not have experience in the things that they're passionate about. So so it's, it's so it's just I would say just start with those things. Yeah. And, you know, just just for chat to really drive this point home, Mike said, be yourself, be genuine, because I don't know if it's like a sixth sense or if it's human nature through, you know, thousands of years of evolution. But if if you're being fraudulent, people will detect it immediately. And it's a very big turnoff. OK, so being yourself has great value and like it, it just you know, being able to tell someone a little bit about yourself, right? And and really, the things you're passionate about, you will unbelievably naturally convey a sense of emotion and excitement, and it will be infectious to the person you're talking to because they will want to feel it. it is a very good feeling yeah. uh, to be passionate. So I guess be yourself and really talk about what you're passionate about because I think it's going to help you uh, establish that relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. So like dialing it back to the LinkedIn tips and tricks, what, what are some, uh, what are some of your, cause obviously your posts get massive engagement and I know it's because the content is awesome, but Thanks. there are some other tips and tricks and stuff like that. So what, what are, what are some of your maybe lesser known best practices? Yeah. Um, try to, uh, probably the biggest thing I see when people are trying to grow their accounts is they're sharing all kinds of stuff. And, Sharing is great. Um, however, nothing's going to do better for you than organic, you know, real content that has been, you know, produced, you know, written, you know, by you. Um, I always recommend for people that are just getting started on a platform. And when I say just getting started, I don't mean you just got a LinkedIn account. I'm, I'm saying you're ready to like buckle up and take this thing for a ride. Um, create a breakout post. And, and what I mean by breakout post is, you know, make a post that kind of, it's a little personal about you. It tells your story of who you are, you know, what you struggle with, where you want to go, right? I'm, and I'm, I'm talking about career goals and ask questions about how to get there. Um, having a good breakout post helps. And if you, if you are connected to and you're engaging with people even prior to making that post, you know, reach out to them and you'll be surprised. Like this, the cybersecurity community is crazy uh supportive like and, and they'll be more than happy i mean i will we're more than happy to come to your post and engage with it so that's the one thing um like i said sharing is great however if you're trying to get some traffic to your account you, you have to just be authentic and you have to create some of your own content the other thing too is excuse me you have to you have to engage with people 
um, you have to give to get back. So, you know, uh, pick, pick some of your favorite connections and watch for them to post and be, be one of the first ones there when they post and engage. And uh, it's called a CTA, right? So when you engage, uh, engage with a call to action, a reason for them to uh, comment back to you. And, and again, it's just, it's just creating that sense of family. Um, I know when I post, um, that I, I guarantee these certain people are going to be there every time just because it's it's like when you have that family reunion. You got you you have people that are going to come every year, right, to it. And, and you know who's coming, you know who's you know who isn't. And it's just a case of creating that family on here and and getting that that uh, just that residual repetitive traffic. I uh, yeah, absolutely. Those those are great tips. I, I want to share a couple of mine and you let me know yeah. uh if if you've seen that be successful or not successful. So one thing, if you're gonna post original content, you should absolutely either post a picture of yourself or a picture of a graphic of some sort, some type of informational graphic like yeah. a bar chart. And I know it sounds silly, but those two things are eye catching and people will stop and look and read more. That's have you had, I know you post pictures of yourself all the time. You're extroverted. I'm not saying you have to post pictures of yourself. Absolutely. I'm just telling you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, having some type of visual in a post is definitely going to do, I don't know what the exact statistic is, but it will definitely produce more engagement um, than just posting text. And I often have the question of, well, this is LinkedIn. You know, I can't post a picture of my dog or even a picture of myself. The purpose of this platform is it is a professional platform. But as professionals, we all have to have a, a little bit of a, of, of a personal relationship as well. So as long as it is with the end mission of or the end goal of making that happen, it doesn't matter if it's a picture of you, a picture of corny socks that I wear, whatever mm -hmm. it is, something that just uh, keeps people from just scrolling past your post. Yeah, absolutely. And Jess Bishop offered up Pexels. There's a couple websites out there, unsplash.com, pexels.com. Uh, Pixapage, I think is another one. There's, there's several sites that have just wholesale, um, copyright free professional yeah. photographs, uh, of people, of places, of, of objects, whatever that you can totally leverage. And then you could use yeah. something like Canva absolutely free to just slap some text on it. Yeah. I almost never post on LinkedIn without some type of graphic added yeah. to it. Almost, almost never. Um, Another another thing that I think is important to note, if, if you guys are going to go ham on LinkedIn, know this, okay? And I, I can speak firsthand from this. Mike, I'm, I'm, I bet you have the same experience. If you post a link off of LinkedIn, if you post a link to a YouTube video, if you post a link to your blog, whatever it is, the LinkedIn algorithm will suppress that post. It, it, it punishes you because Absolutely. from a business perspective, they don't want guests, customers, whatever, going off platform. They want you on LinkedIn. So like, so if you ever see my post, you'll see here's the post and then link in first comment. They do not grade on the, the comments because anyone can post anything, but they will grade you in the body of the thing. So, Absolutely. Yeah, they, yeah, they want you to stay on their platform, which is understandable. I mean, the goal is not to um, steer them off of the platform. And yeah, I mean, I... I um, same thing. I almost never post. I have posted external links, um, but you know, I might get 20 views on a post versus you know two or two or three hundred you know uh, engagement. So I absolutely, I absolutely recommend against it. And I've had 
trust me, um, I'm sure a lot of us get every day, hey, will you post this for me and or, or you know, post a link yeah. to my website and um, in the long run, it's just not going to do anybody any good. Yeah. And also, like, I just can't, I wrote, I actually, while we were talking, I wrote like several of these things. I won't spend a lot of time belaboring this with y'all. But another thing that I just, I forgot about because I've written off articles altogether. This may have changed because LinkedIn is now pushing newsletters as a thing. Yeah. Um, but before newsletters, so I haven't done any new research on this, but before newsletters, articles, um, I mean, I have a pretty large network on LinkedIn and I would get like, tens of views on an article, yeah. which is wildly uncommon. So for me, an article takes way more time to develop and have a meaningful quality article. And then for it to basically be like thrown in a dark alley, I agree. It, it, yeah. it, like, why would I spend my time? Like I, I'd rather yeah. spend my time doing something else that is going to give more value than, than that. So, you know, yeah, I, again, I yeah. have you done anything with the newsletter? Uh, just I haven't. I haven't. Every time I happen to click that creator mode button just to see what if there's anything new under it, I have that newsletter thing just staring me right in yeah, the eye, yeah, saying yeah. "use me." And and it's I see it just as a distraction, I guess. Um, yep. So now, right, my main focus for the past ten months because it's been about ten months since actually almost exactly ten months since I made my first kind of breakout post. Um, my my goal has literally just been to go all in, focus on creating my own content for posting. And that's just kind of been, and really with no end goal in mind, besides helping people and who knows, you know, who knows where we'll go. Yeah. You, you want to take some questions from chat? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, chat. Let's, let's do it. So Chris Weaver, you're up. Chris wants to know, uh, do you have to think outside the box often? Or is it more, you know, what is known already in industry? Apply to whatever you want. I think this was when you were kind of talking about VSISO work and, um, you know, engaging in uh, your employment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my wife hates when I say this, um, but I, I, I always say crumple up the box and throw it in the recycle bin. Don't, don't even think about the box. So, again, my, my whole thing has just been, no matter what position I'm in, just having the ability to solve problems. And sometimes to solve problems, you have to think outside the box, right? Or, or pretend it's not even there. Um, and, you know, whether it's leveraging different resources, whether it's doing something against the grain, because organizations tend to like to do things their way, right? And so it's really easy to go down that path and, and do it their way when, you know, just because it's always been done that way doesn't mean that it's the right way. So, my goal is to find different solutions and different ways to work out a problem uh, that might be a little bit more efficient and it just isn't the way it's always been done. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for the question, Chris. So another question that kind of came in, there's a couple of different one in here, so I'm gonna kind of bundle them together, but um, you know, Rewa is asking here about, you know, and this is like a recurring topic in our industry, is kind of like the, <laughs> Entry-level jobs that are asking for mid-tier requirements. How do you, how does one get the entry-level job if they can never get the experience required for the entry-level job? Yeah, good good question. Here's what I'll tell you. There are companies out there. Here, here's what I'll say, <clears throat> and I've posted about this. If you look at 100 different job descriptions for entry-level, uh, every job description is going to be, every entry-level job description is going to be different. The thing is, the thing you have to keep in mind is, 
70 percent in my opinion seven about 70 percent of these job descriptions are wish lists and when i say that right sometimes these job descriptions have been through so many different hands or they've been copied from somebody else from a different department that by the time it got to the person who's to post that description it's it has nothing to do about the position or it's just got a, it's got it's just all out of whack you know um requiring a cissp for an entry-level position is crazy right requiring four years of experience for an entry-level position is crazy. Um, what I would say is when you look at these, like I said, many of them are wish lists. And the the horrible part is, is that people are walking away from these jobs that they could they could have and that they're qualified for, even if they're entry-level. They're walking away thinking, well, I don't qualify, when really they do. And if you fill out that application and contact the person who might have posted that job and they get to know you, um, you, you might find out that they might say, oh, no, you know, um, we don't really require the CISSP. It's just it's preferred. But, you know, we, we like you. We, we find, um, you know, we find you have some drive and ambition. And uh, a lot of times you can kind of overcome that. But I, I never I've over my career, I've applied for jobs that that said they had way more requirements than what I had. And, you know, I've landed some of them just because I submitted them anyhow. And and uh, so that's that's one thing I would say to that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And you, you actually did touch on something uh, like indirectly that I think is important. And regular members of the Simply Cyber community are going to roll their eyes because they've heard this a million times and I'm just wasting valuable time of you speaking. But uh, to Rewa's question, and if I'm butchering your name, I apologize, by the way, to his question and everybody else's that asks about this gap thing, um, networking it like you said if you can get to the hiring manager right networking 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 is so invaluable to or so valuable excuse me to the process if people know you and know what you can do and know what you're passionate about then when they know of opportunities they can short circuit the hiring workflow and get you they can tell you, hey, yeah. this is a wish list. It doesn't matter. Hey, I can get you in front of the higher manager. It doesn't matter. Hey, we can waive those requirements. It doesn't matter. But if you're just Johnny on the street or Julie on the street, you're, you're not going to get that access. You're not going to have a side door. So th this is why I am wicked passionate about networking and making a supportive, inclusive community. That's why chat over here is really chatty because <laughs> I, I, I want it. I want people to engage with each other. What yeah, are your absolutely. thoughts around around the importance of networking? Yeah, absolutely. So there's one thing that hasn't changed in over a hundred years, word of mouth, right? A hundred years ago, they would say word of mouth is the best kind of advertising. Today, guess what? Word of mouth is your best, is your best method of advertising. LinkedIn now is your word of mouth. And to give you an example of that, um, I am often asked by companies, they'll come to me and say, hey, Mike, do you, we're looking for someone to fill an entry level role. Do you know of anybody? And even though I don't, I don't personally know them, you know, off of the street, I can rattle off five or 10 people that are entry level uh, that want to become SOC analysts. Why? Not because I know them personally, because they, but they show up every day. They engage with my posts, they engage with other posts. They're contributing positively to the community. Even with mid-level roles, senior level roles, they're showing up. LinkedIn, again, is that word of mouth. And by not using this platform, um, I sound like I work for LinkedIn. I don't really. Like, <laughs> by not using this platform, it's the same thing as going to a, a local networking event and sitting in the car. Like you have this. And and I tell everybody, your LinkedIn profile is really your online resume. Um, you know, when I was hiring, you know, years back, 
I would look at two pieces. I'd get a resume, but I spend about 65 seconds on that resume. That's it. What's the mm -hmm. next thing I do? I go to LinkedIn to see who you are, learn more about you. And, you know, resumes don't get you hired. It's it's you that gets you hired. And the only way to tell who you are is to use this platform network and, and get to know people. Absolutely. Now, um, Ronnie asked this question, and I, I want to make it a little more gen general. Uh, but basically, if you have a criminal background, whether it's drugs, whether it's, you yeah. know, you, you misguided youth, whatever, maybe you stole a pool table in college, uh, asking for a friend, um, you know, wh what do you, how do you help or what are your thoughts and suggestions for people who may have a little bit of a past that could impact their ability to be employed? Yeah, absolutely. It's not, I don't think it's a showstopper, right? I, I think it's, I think it may affect you if you're going to, if you're trying to go for a top secret clearance, you know, of, mm -hmm. of the highest level, it might affect you for that. But it all comes down to the role as well. Um, you know, there are companies out there that are trying to protect themselves and they're willing to give, you know, anybody a chance. And I think, again, it's people just want to understand that you're that you're a human being and we've all made mistakes in our lives. But I, I will say I, I certainly don't think that it's a showstopper. It can be an obstacle, but don't let that steer you. I saw that comment at the beginning, too, and it kind of broke my heart a little bit. But yeah, don't let it steer you in the wrong direction. Don't let it don't let it make you give up because um, there are so many organizations. There's the demand in this field is crazier than it's ever been. And it, it's just you may just have to knock on a few more doors, but you will find a way in. Absolutely. And uh, to the point that we just made before that, uh, for Ronnie and, and for others, networking is so important. If people know who you are and know what you can do, they can look past what you did 20 years ago because they're not hiring 20 year ago yeah. version of you. They're hiring new you. Um, and really, honestly, again, since Mike and I operate at the same level uh, professionally, like we have problems that we need people to help solve. If you can solve my problem, I don't care what you did 20 years ago. Please you're exactly right. help me solve my problem today. You know? Yep. You're exactly right. And just like Kimberly just said in the comments, just be open and, you know, disclose that information. That way there's no surprises. Yeah. And we actually did a call uh, on neurodiversity hiring and cybersecurity a couple uh, months ago. And, you know, yeah, be transparent and disclose, but be I would be um, uh, very deliberate about when you do that. I wouldn't say, hi, yes. I'm Mike Miller, felon. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes some tactic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, just, you know, just to qualify that piece of <laughs> advice. Um, getting back a little bit into um, LinkedIn a little bit, Jessica Probst, aka Cyber Kill Jane, Cyber, Cyber, Simply Cyber Community member asks, you know, you are an extrovert, Mike, but you may deal with introverts from time to time. How do you help them uh, break out of their shell? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, I'm going to take this outside of LinkedIn for a second. And and I will say I have so much respect for introverts. Um, my wife is actually an introvert. And here, here's what I'll tell you. Um, we all tend to want to be sometimes the loudest one in the room, right? So I'm an extreme extrovert. I like to talk. Um, and sometimes I get caught up, you know, being the loudest one in the room. What happens is when you're the loudest one in the room, people tend not to listen all the time. <clears throat> when you're an introvert, you listen much better than I do. Listen, You listen much better than so many people do. And as you're listening, you're processing the information you're taking in. You're 
you're analyzing it. And the thing is, is that when you speak, you speak to, to make a point and to, to try to solve a problem. And when you speak, people, people tend to, I tend to listen to that more than someone who just likes to be the loudest one in the room. So as far as extroverts, you know, I would say I personally think you have a little bit of an advantage in this field because you're, you're a lot more well thought out than I am because sometimes I just, I just get caught up in talking. Um, on LinkedIn, um, I, so I have people that I mentor that are extreme introverts and, and they can still be successful. They might not be comfortable posting, but they can still engage. You know, they can still make comments and engage with posts that, that they're comfortable with. But I have people that are growing on LinkedIn that don't post at all. You know, people that I talk to, people that I mentor, their stats mm -hmm. are going nuts and they don't post anything, but they have a great profile picture, or I'm sorry, they have a great profile. Their profile is complete, right? And when people click on their profile, they can see who they are. Um, and and you don't you don't absolutely have to post to be successful on this platform. It, it is true. It is true. It helps. It does help if you do post. And there's ways to do it. I feel like from an introverted perspective, um, you know, maybe you don't have to engage as much. I mean, you are you are behind the keyboard, right? So you're not yep. having to have that you know public social interaction type uh, element. Um, but you know. I, I, yeah, like your your comment earlier about call to action, it definitely uh, is worthwhile here. I mean, you might even be able to kind of make an introduction if you're introverted and allow someone else to do the talking, absolutely. right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. so, oh, like, look at this post. You read an interesting post at Mike Miller. Hey, Mike, saw this post, made me think of what you said on Simply Cyber the other night. What are your thoughts? And now you've made a connection. You're, you're a matchmaker. And Mike delivers some great content and, you know, you're, you're helping deliver that value just in a different way. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great so, question. Yeah. We, uh, we have a, the Simply Cyber community, they're, they're dynamite. They're, they're always bringing you the guys heat. rock. I want to come back. <laughs> yeah. So, so K Scott Powell wants to know, since we're talking about doing all this work on LinkedIn, what about burnout? Yeah, I've been there. Um, so I try to, uh, just turn off as often as I can. I can say I haven't, I see people all the time just kind of going away for a week or two. I haven't done that, but I've taken some long weekends. Um, I'm, <clears throat> when people talk about consistency posting, I will tell you, I'm, I don't post, a lot of people think I post every day, but if you look closely, I don't post every day. I will take a day off here and there, sometimes two days off. Um, I only post when something creative comes to mind that I think people can find value in. Um, but as far as burnout, you do have to know how to shut the phone off. Um, you know, when I spend time in the evening with my wife and my family, um, I try to, you know, put the phone down and I try to lay it, you know, face down so that I don't get the, uh, you know, so, so I don't see all of the alerts and so on. But you just have to be able to kind of step back and, and take a break. And I will tell you, stepping away for for a day or two, like I said, which I have done will help you tremendously. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, the phone, the apps, I mean, they're designed to, uh, you know, get your attention. Hey, play with me, look at me. Uh, there's yeah. a really great documentary called The Social Dilemma on Netflix, if anyone's interested, that yeah. goes into the psychology behind all that. Uh, but, but to your point, um, again, there's a lot of, uh, points that are coming back to each other. We talked earlier about being passionate, being yourself, being, um, you know, personable and stuff. And if you're burned out, um, cause I've experienced burned out a few, a burnout a few times in my career. 
um, your passion will not be there. So the content you're making will not have that passion in it. It'll, it'll, it will convey as work. And if you're going to spend, yeah. if you're going to spend your time on something that isn't even going to have the value that it's supposed to, um, you might as well take Mike's advice and just, you know, put, put it on pause for a minute and, you know, yeah. find either if you have to do something, find a different outlet that allows you to feel engaged, maybe do something on discord or, or write mm -hmm. a blog post or something like that, or, or just, you know, throw it up for a second and, and, um, you know, take a break. We, we do see, I do see some people who post regularly, uh, go out and say like, uh, Elon Wright, Differ Diva. Many of you know her. Uh, she's great, great, uh, community member, information security community member. She took a break. Um, and it was like, she was posting content valuable all the yeah. time. And then she took a break and it was like, Oh, like I miss, I miss seeing her content or whatever. Then she came back and it, nobody was like, Oh, forget this. Like you've been gone yeah. too long. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the, the community will be there and it will respond when you come back, you know? So don't, don't think you're like losing anything. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I would argue. So something that I've done just recently, because, you know, sometimes I get, I guess you just call it writer's block where, I don't know what to write about today. And I won't just post a post because it's nine o'clock on Tuesday morning, right? I have to have something come to my mind to post. Um, but something that I've tested recently that's worked extremely well is just um, reusing some original content. You know, I've I've repurposed and reused a few of my posts from 10 months ago, and some of them have done better than they did the first time I posted. So, you know, if you get stuck, you can always go back if you've been on this platform for a while and repurpose some content. And, you know, you're still active, but really you're still taking a mental break because, you know, you're not there trying to think and be creative. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I would just uh, jump on top of that and, and let, to let people know, because I've done this myself a few times, don't think that you're being lazy by repurposing content. Something that was really valuable 10 months ago you know, it's been, it's been pushed under the rug of social media, right? And people today didn't see it 10 months ago. So by reposting it, you're actually doing them a service by making them aware. It was really great 10 months ago and people loved it. Let this new wave of people enjoy it and get the value just the same as they did 10 months ago. And oh, by the way, give yourself a little bit of a break on having to generate new content. So don't, I, I just want people to understand it's not being lazy. It's not being cheaper or deceptive it, it, there is value there yeah absolutely and you know think about it if your account is growing and you use content a year from now that that uh, that you posted today you know probably 80 percent of your of your connections haven't seen that because they're new you know a year from now mm. so we're talking with mike miller for those of you who just joined us we're at 100 people mike which is great great numbers we're talking to mike miller about uh, basically breaking into security. The man's got the answers, okay? Or he's got he's got some answers, Mike. Let, let yeah, I'll, some. Uh, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll keep it we'll keep it humble here. Uh, <laughs> so some more questions that came in that are are really uh, common questions that I feel really warrant further discussion is Joshua asks, what about like self manufactured experience, home labs, right, or mm -hmm. cyber ranges, whatever. Maybe it doesn't come with a certificate you can drop on your account. Maybe it does. I don't know. What are your thoughts on people getting experience in an alternative way? Here's the thing. Yeah, and I, I've, I've talked about this a lot with my mentors and they, or with my mentees, and they ask the same questions. It's all about knowledge gain. Um, if, if I'm hiring, I don't care how you gained the knowledge. I don't care, you know, 
whether you gained it by taking a certification, whether you gained it from Try Hack Me, or whether you built your own home labs. It's about the information. And um, that's, I mean, I learned so much from the beginning of my career, you know, building home labs and, and things like that. And so for me, it's never been, I think that you'll find in an interview, most people are going to ask you how you, how you gained your knowledge. They just, they're just going to gauge, you know, your knowledge. So be proud of, um, be proud of the labs that you're doing. Be proud of your progress on um, try hack me and know I'm not a salesperson for them, but be proud of the progress you have on there. They have a great program. There's others out there. Um, uh, you, you as well that have great programs out there. And so just be proud of the progress that you make and, and just be transparent as well. You know, when you're interviewing, Hey, I, um, th this is, this is what I've done. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, if you're going through some of that stuff, what a great opportunity to leverage economies of scale, start a blog post about it. Use, use yep. what you just learned as a LinkedIn post. Let, you know, let, let people know, like, there's no reason that every piece of content has to be a completely new piece of thought, a new, a new thing for you, right? Anything absolutely. can be like that. And uh, I agree a hundred percent with you. Nobody, unless you went to like, uh, MIT or, or, you know, UCAL Berkeley. No one asks, where's your degree from? They Sometimes they don't even ask what's your degree in. When yep. you have experience using Splunk or Fortinet or whatever tool you want to throw in there, it, the question is, well, how big the organization that you used it at or how many logs were you looking at? Like, no one cares. Can you sit down at the terminal or the console or whatever and execute yep. the job I need you to do? Yeah, how can you, yeah, exactly. I agree. How can you be of value to my organization? You know, I don't care how you learn the skills. Can you be a value to my organization? And, here, and here's what I'll tell you. Like, I don't, you know, through the years, uh, probably before many of you were even in technology, I, I got my NT4 MCSC back in the day, and I got my Windows 2000 MCSC, and I pretty much stopped with certifications. Uh, later, I did get my my QSA before you had to have your your you know, like your CISA or your system, you know, in order to get that. Uh, I did end up getting like a GX cert. I don't have my security plus. I went to a nine month tech school that's like defunct. They went bankrupt. They don't even exist anymore. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, but at the same time, it's never been a huge roadblock. So, and, and I guess the reason I'm telling you that is, um, you know, just, just seek that knowledge. Don't worry about how you're gaining that knowledge. And, and the cert industry is such a highly profitable industry and you can get caught up chasing those. I saw a cert, a certification map out there oh, yeah. not too long ago and it's crazy. Like it's just almost sickening, you know, that people are just spending all of their money going and trying to grab all of these things. Yeah. I, I know which one it is. I wanted to, I wanted to pull it up cause I think it's, it's a really awesome. Um, yeah. It's this one right here. I know it is this one, right? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. If guys, if you haven't seen this, I'll drop it in chat. Um, now, Mike is saying that, you know, you don't need to chase the certs, but I just want to point out this this website right here, Paul Jeremy keeps it up to date and it's got, it's interactive and it, it breaks it up by experience level and um, functional area yeah. within it. I'll drop it in yeah. chat. But anyways, it, it is a good, uh, if you need a certifi cert certification to stand out or you're just into certs or whatever, um, this is a really cool website. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So we've got a couple minutes here. Guys, I want you to know, I see all your questions coming in. We're not gonna be able to get to all of them. Um, there's been a bit of a healthy discussion here that came off of Alicia Jerry's question about boot camps. Uh, I saw Eric Soberman comment, Nick Barker comment. Uh, like, so the community is is having a conversation about this right now. So why don't you weigh in, Mike, on what you think about boot camps? Yeah, I think boot camps are great. Again, everyone has their different way of learning. Um, some people learn by self-study. Some people learn better with boot camps. Some people learn better in a college environment. Um, again, it, it, it just, uh, I'll just answer kind of the same I, I we, of the previous discussion. I, it's it's just about that knowledge gain. So, yeah, if that if that boot camp laid a good foundation for you and you and it, it's it's your passion, you know the, the information that you're learning. Boot camps do a great way of showing you a lot of different things in a short amount of time. And what you can learn from that is different different tools and so on that you that you like. You know you might. You might touch on auditing quick. You might touch on offense or defense, but you're going to find one of those. And if it's your passion, you're going to dive down that path and you're going to, you know, eat it, breathe it, sleep it until you know it like crazy. And absolutely at the end of, you know, at the end of a boot camp, I mean, there's people getting in the field that that aren't attending anything. They don't have any certs, but they're, they've, you know, they've gone through just some self-study in their own labs and get an entry-level job. So um, absolutely. Yeah, I, I have a pretty strong opinion of boot camps. Um, I, I do feel that a lot, a lot of education in our industry is freely available. You're almost partially paying for someone to curate and organize and then hold you accountable. Yep. Um, some boot camps, I think, are grossly overpriced and don't deliver value. I, I do agree with what you said, Mike, so I'm not flat out disagreeing. No, 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 I do agree. Okay. Yeah, I agree that it will give you typically a good one will give you like a taste of different areas because that's one thing that people don't understand when they say, oh, I want to work in cybersecurity. The next question is, well, what do you want to do? Like SOC, RED, GRC, like what do you want to do? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. So boot camp will give you that kind of buffet. But, you know, I don't think a boot camp is like keys to a job, which unfortunately there's a lot of predatory marketing practices where that's kind of how they sell the boot camp. So um, I've got, I've got, I, I guess that's part of why I love simply cyber. Like I, I try to deliver all of this content. Like, here you go. Like you, you don't is. need, yeah, you don't absolutely. Need, yeah. So, uh, before like, okay, so we're wrapping up one thing. I'm sorry. We didn't get to, but part of the reason that, uh, we even, we, I was like, Oh, Mike, like, let's talk about this. You recently, you just mentioned it. You wrote a book, right? Called, uh, break into cyber. I'm going to drop this link in chat. It's, it's, where Thank is you. it? Yeah, it's, it's right here, Brain and Playbook. You want to tell us a little bit about this project and, and what, what the deal is with it? Yeah, absolutely. So what I did was, I mean, I mentor every day. Show well. know, I, Sorry. I spend, oh, no, you're good. I spend my <laughs> yeah. evenings talking to people, my weekends talking to people. And a few months back, I decided I'm going to just kind of throw everything in one place. So it is a, I believe it's 56 pages. Uh, it's a break into cyber playbook, and it's it's just based off of my experience, um, and, you know, what, what works now, and it's kind of a two-part guide. So the first part of it is, you know, it talks about the industry. It talks about, like you said, offense, defense, uh, you know, GRC slash auditing, talks about imposter syndrome, talks about certifications, talks about all of that stuff. Um, the second part of it, um, when I'm mentoring, I, I mentor two parts, the, uh, the technical path that you've got to go down and then the self-branding path. So 
Um, so the whole second part of the guide is basically how to get yourself, um, I use the analogy of putting the garage door up, you know, as a rock band so that everybody else can hear you. So uh, the second part of my guide is basically helping you put that garage door up so you can kind of be discovered on LinkedIn for the skills that you have or even that you are acquiring. Um, you know, even though, even though you're going down the technical path, you almost in this field, like you said, word of mouth and networking is key. So the second part of my guide is to really teach you really a step-by-step -step on like, here's what you need to do to kind of break out a little bit and, and get discovered with the ultimate goal of having recruiters and hiring managers land in their inbox. So there's my sales pitch. I wasn't even expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well done. You can go back and clip it and, and uh, re reuse it. Um, yeah, no, that's so that's good. Y'all, hey, I'm sorry, LinkedIn people. The platform that we use, I can't push comments to, unfortunately. But if you go to breakincyber.com, by the way, great URL to 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 own. Um, that was my wife's idea. Yeah, my oh, really? Idea. Well, it's, hey. it's actually under my profile because uh, if you just click on my profile, uh, connected like, me. like this profile. Yep, scroll up, and it's it's just right under my name there. It'll say, yeah, Get hold on. My, yeah, I've got so many like people DMing me and hold on one second. <laughs> me too. It's crazy. Yeah. Hold on one second. I got hold on one second. I'm sorry. I, I want you all to see this because it, it's it's he made it very very um, easy to uh, to get to see your photo your photo. This is this is a LinkedIn profile one three thousand. All right, hold on. Let's close all this. Uh, okay. So all right, we're looking at Mike's profile. You can't really see it. I'm gonna give you full screen action, Mike. That's all right. Thanks. Look, all right. So this is Mike's profile on LinkedIn. Go connect with him. He's always dropping like really valuable, interesting oh, nuggets. Dude. And you guys were here all day uh, on the stream. You saw who he is. But here is the link right here to his playbook. You simply click it and it takes you right here. This fantastic professional photo of old Mike with the lighting on one side and the darkness on the other. Well done. I really like that, Mike. Thank you. That my wife designed the entire website. I'm really proud. All right. Well, I think your wife's got a, a, a marketable talent and skill set there. I think because, she does. Yeah. yeah. Does. I'll tell you what, I just, I just had my website revamped and you could definitely tell it looked like your wife did not make it beforehand. Um, Cause it was, <laughs> it was not good. It was not good. So, all right. Now, Mike, uh, per usual on uh, chat knows this, um, I'd love to give you an opportunity to take the stage, take the floor, whatever you want, uh, share however uh, message you'd like. Again, please connect with uh, Mike on LinkedIn, Mike Miller. And Mike, I'll give you full stage and it's, the floor is yours, man. Yeah, thanks. I'm not really sure what to say, but uh, you know, for those that are, there's a mix of people in this room. I know a lot of you that are already in the field and, and those that are aspiring to get into the field. So the ones that are aspiring to get into the field, um, you know, have confidence. There is so much demand in this field and you will have people tell you that you have to have X, Y, and Z to get into this field. And by them telling you that just, just tells, just tells you that they haven't done their homework. And for those already in the field, which like I said, a lot of you guys, guys and uh, women are already here. Um, you just, just pay it forward, you know, um, show these guys how much of a supportive community that, that we are, um, you know, engage with them and, you know, even for those that are talking about the LinkedIn platform real quick, even for those that are that are um, very happy in their career, um, the pandemic showed us that nothing can be taken for uh, for granted. So even though you're happy in your job, you've maybe been there 10 or 15 years, whatever, um, your insurance policy for employment is your LinkedIn profile. So 
even though you might be happy in your current position, work on your LinkedIn profile. Self-branding is, is so important. And that's it. I thank you guys so much for spending the time. I'm, I'm truly um, blessed to have everybody here. Yeah, absolutely. And we loved having you here, Mike. I want to thank you personally for, for coming on here. Uh, great messages, a lot of actionable content for everybody in chat to take away. Uh, obviously, you got the book really to consolidate all that information so people can get it in a really easy to digest format. Uh, but Mike, I, I really want to thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you off now, but appreciate it. And I, I want you to know that you're always welcome on Simply Cyber. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. See you. All right. Absolutely. All right, guys, per usual, I just want to let everybody know about the upcoming um, daily cyber threat briefing. So first off, thank you all. Uh, guys, I know we didn't get to all the questions and there were some really, really excellent questions. I genuinely appreciate um, people responding to other people's questions. Nick Barker, I saw you answer that GRC question. Eric Silberman uh, talking about boot camps. You guys... Uh, really, really supportive and inclusive, and I, I genuinely appreciate it. So we got so much value from Mike today, but really so much value from each of you as well. So thank you for making this broadcast and this experience truly valuable to everybody involved. Now, before I send you guys off, I do want to remind those who are new here, because many of you already attend this, every single weekday morning, uh, <laughs> the times have changed a little bit, but tomorrow, Friday, August 26th at 8 a.m., I will be hosting a daily cyber threat briefing. I do it every single weekday morning. Tomorrow is no different. And we're going to be going through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. It'll be about 45 minutes long. It's good for CPE credits. It's good for uh, inclusion and support. And it's good just to know what's going on in the industry. Because if you're working in the industry, you can operationalize it immediately. And if you're looking to break in, much like all the people that we talked about today and Mike is trying to help break in, you're going to get asked in an interview, how do you stay current? This is a fantastic answer. With that, guys, I want to thank each of you. Have a wonderful rest of your evening, and we'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. on the Simply Cyber channels. Thank you.